Good morning. Good morning, MVCC. All right, glad to be here. I just want to say um, thank you, Jeff, the entire team stepping in and helping us lead this morning. As you know, uh, we are just always the focus is on Jesus Christ, and I'm just so grateful that we have some folks who are stepping in. Just wanted to give you a little update. Uh, we are on the search for a worship uh, leader here at MVCC as Mark uh, moved to Arkansas. And so, um, you know, always, whoever we have come in here, we just know that we're always worshiping him and focusing on him. Amen? Hey, we're in the middle of a series through the Gospel of Luke. Um, it's called Choosing Sides. And the reason I like it so much is because when Jesus was on the earth, of course, he loved everyone right where we are. Amen? And, and one of the awesome things about Jesus, you always know where you stand with him. And he causes us to choose. Will I choose to follow or will I choose to go my own way? So I hope today's message out of Luke chapter 12, we're going to be in verses 13 to 21. If you want to catch your app there, uh, your Bible on your phone, or if you brought a regular Bible, we're going to be in that section in just a second. Uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to say just a warm welcome and thanks so much for Congresswoman Young Kim here today with us. Thank you for worshiping with us today. It's good to have you. And I thought it'd be nice if we just pray for her. You know, the Bible says we pray for our leaders, pray for those in authority. She's been given an incredible privilege to represent uh, in Washington, D.C. And so I thought it'd be nice if we just prayed for her, lifted her up. So let's do that together. Father, we just want to thank you so much for the country that we live in. God, we have so much freedom. Thank you, Lord, for those that gave their lives. Thank you, God, for this country that really we know God was built upon your word. God, we pray for young Kim. We pray for her as a congresswoman that you would continue to give her wisdom and guidance. Protect her, God. We pray as they're coming and going back and forth to uh, D.C., God, that you would keep her safe. And we pray, God, for wise counsel to surround our president, wise counsel to surround those that you've given this privilege, God, to lead our nation. God, we want so much for our nation to come back to you, Lord. We believe, God, we are primed and ready for another revival to come where, God, we are once again reminded of your loving kindness for this entire generation, God. And so we pray for this now. We pray for our city of Mission Viejo, God, that you would bring about change and transformation within us. And we pray, God, today as we look to your word that you will just inspire us, teach us, Holy Spirit, challenge us, Cause us to change. Cause us to want to change to be more like you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. You know, when my kids were little, I have two boys, uh, Michael and Jonathan. And when they were little, we uh, did the Little League soccer. We did uh, Team League. We did all the sports, you know, that, that most families do here in South Orange County. And uh, I'm sure you know, for those maybe that have children or if you're wanting to have children... Wait, no, no, uh, that's, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to have kids, but it's interesting that our firstborn, he was like the perfect baby. We brought him home uh, from the hospital. He slept practically through the night. He got in his car seat. You know, he had his little goldfish, his popcorn, all that stuff that you do. You know, when you, he was just was a good baby. I said, well, this is so easy. Let's have six or seven of them. So um, when Jonathan came, he was the worst baby ever. He wouldn't sleep through the night. He literally, my wife, when we lived in Rancho Cucamonga, we put him in the car seat. It's an hour drive from here to Rancho. Literally on the freeway, on the 10 freeway, he got out of his 10-point restraint, jumping around in the back seat of the car. I mean, that's how absolutely, you know, different and opposite. So if you have children, you probably can identify with that a little bit. So when they were playing Little League, my son, Michael, he's my oldest, he loved to win. 
He is competitive. He knew the score. He knew the updates. He, uh, he had everything in his head, and he just loved to play baseball. And so at the end of the game, he would read off the stats after they'd win. You know, he'd win the, they'd win the game. And his dad, did you know they had seven hits? They got three runs, and they made two errors. Uh, Michael, I didn't know that because I was just watching you. But he was just kept all the stats. My other son, Jonathan, we said, you know, he ran to first base. He looked like a bobblehead because his head was big. He just looked really funny when he ran. And I remember at the end of the game, he says, Dad, did we win? Literally, that's, that's how they were. And I don't know if they do this in Little League now, but they have this little um, chant that they do before every game, and I love it. And it goes like this. I trust in God. I love my country. I will respect others. I will play fair. I will strive to win. But win or lose, I will always do my best. Isn't that cool? I just think, gosh, that is so awesome. Well, Jonathan changed the lyrics to that chant. He said, I trust in God. I love my country. I respect its laws. I will play fair. I will strive to win. I win or lose. Win or lose, we always get our snacks. <laughs> That's how they're different. And at the end of the game, I would have to tell Jonathan, yes. You guys won the game. Now, I think about that, and I think about choosing sides and choosing to follow Jesus. The enemy does not want you to know that you are already on the winning team. You are already with Jesus Christ. He won the victory. He knows that you're spirit-filled. He knows that you're forgiven. He knows that you're loved by God. He knows that he's put a passion in your life. He knows Romans 8.1 where it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who love Jesus Christ. He knows all those things that you have. But the tragedy is a lot of us don't know the things that God has given us. And we wonder, are we really on the winning team? I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like we're sometimes not on the winning team. You are on the team of Jesus Christ, and unfortunately, we have an enemy that will bring those challenges. Does anyone here face any challenges? Okay, for the rest of you that don't, just hang in there with us, because those of us that do, this message is for you today. There are seven billion people who live on this planet, and God loves every single one of them. I think it's a miracle that God chose you to be in this specific place, in this specific time, to worship him and to hear this specific message. I hope it's encouraging for you today. We have an invisible enemy. He is bringing the visible to us to try and challenge us and distract us from living the life of Jesus Christ that he wants us to live. So I, I want to bring you some encouragement today out of this section about guarding our heart against a detriment that can be against the church and against the witness of Jesus Christ. And that is simply wanting more and more and more and more of the world. That is a challenge, isn't it? There are temptations everywhere around us about that. So let's look to the word today in Luke chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 13 and just go all, down, all the way down to verse 21. Now the context of this, remember, is that there are thousands of people. I, I think this is amazing that there are thousands of people at this particular juncture of Jesus Christ about the last probably five or six months of his ministry life before he goes to the cross and he dies there for all of humanity. There are thousands of people. Some of those folks came because they just loved to be around him. Some of them were looking for something in life and they found the life that Jesus Christ offered. Some of them were there because they still had a lot of questions. Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the one that God 
had sent to earth. Or there were some, unfortunately, there that were literally trying to entrap Jesus and take his very life. So we got a mix of all these people, and someone comes out in the midst of this crowd. We'll read this now. And he comes up with a question. I don't believe a sincere question, but Jesus was always, always on point in how he responds. So let's read this together. Remember the crowd of people that are around Jesus. Then someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told them a story. And a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Take it easy, eat, drink, and party, right? But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. And then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. There's a request, there's a response, and then there's a reminder. This man, can you imagine, shouts out in the middle of this crowd that's pressed into Jesus and says, Rabbi, some of your Bible verses might say, Rabbi, teacher, tell my brother to give me what he owes me, really is what he's saying here. The interesting thing about that in the context is that a rabbi or a teacher of that day would often, they would settle civil disputes. If there were problems in the village, if there were problems in the context of society, they would often be the ones to play judge and jury and give uh, probably right information and help those who couldn't reconcile. And really what he's saying is, Jesus, tell him to give it to me. The response I love is golden. Jesus says, who made me judge and jury over all this? Honestly, it sounds like Jesus is being just a little bit insincere. Couldn't Jesus solve this problem? I mean, he could solve this problem really quick. When he's Jesus, he's God, he knows everything. He could solve every problem with thousands of people who had all these issues. But really what he's saying is, that is not why I have come to settle earthly matters. In fact, Jesus said in another place, he said, I did not come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring a sword. And what he meant by that is, I want you to choose what really matters. Eternity is what really matters. The things of the world are okay. We live in this world. God wants us to love our life. He wants us to have a great life and honor him with everything that we have. But what he really says is, what really matters is eternity. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There your heart will be also. And so Jesus is not being, he's not discounting people. What he's saying is, that's not why I came. If Jesus were to solve every problem of thousands of people there, he would get off course of why he came. Jesus came for one reason. He came because he loves you and me. He came because he needed to get to the cross. Without the cross, without his death, without his resurrection, we would not have the opportunity to be saved. We would not have new life that Jesus brings us. It's through his death and resurrection. That's why Jesus came. He came because his fierce love for every single one of us here today. 
For everyone that's ever lived, God loves every single one of us. And he wants us to turn our life over to him and have this incredible life that brings internal transformation. That's why he came. And so now he brings, I love the way Jesus teaches. He just, he goes into a story. He goes into a parable. He goes into something that we can all relate to. And in this story, of course, there's a rich man who has everything crops and fields and he has a wonderful harvest in fact so much he makes so much and he has so much possessions that he has a now question in his mind what am i going to do and how am i going to store all of my stuff and so as we read this text the reminder is the more that we have and if we're not balanced and in a place of alignment with god we can be so off balance and so off kilter all of a sudden we start living for the world. And that's the problem with this guy. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down all my barns because I have so much stuff and I'll rebuild bigger barns to store all my stuff. The accumulation of things really is not gonna make us happy, is it? It's not wrong to have nice things as long as those nice things don't have us. I, I, I think in our world in South County, it is such a battle. It is such a fierce challenge because we see so many of the glitz. We see so much of the high end of everything. We see all the things that are so nice and we want more. We want bigger. We want better. And the challenge is when we accept Jesus, he changes us from the inside out. I, I remember I wanted so much to have this Ford Mustang when I was 16 years old. It was in Hot Rod Magazine, and the guy that lived down the street from me had this, this Ford Mustang. It was a 1977. Man, there wasn't a scratch on this thing. Had a fully chromed out engine. I mean, I just, I love cars. It's always kind of been a passion when I was a kid. Of course, most of you know my story. I didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up with God, so I was all about the world. I wanted to play professional tennis. I wanted to make lots of money, have lots of houses. Certainly wasn't going to get married. Just wanted to live the high life, eat, drink, and be merry, party. That's the life that I wanted. And when I got some of that stuff on a small scale, I found out it really doesn't satisfy the craving of the human heart, does it? It really doesn't satisfy the deep longing that every single one of us have. And that's why Jesus goes into the story, because he wants everyone to understand. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is taking us by the spiritual shirt collar and saying, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. This is so important. This is so paramount. Because if the world, who is unsatisfied and having so many problems, sees you as my followers that are just content with me, they will find eternal life in me because of you. That's why this is so important this morning that we get this, we understand this as Christ followers. At the center of everything that Jesus taught, it's always about humility. It's always about the cross. It's always about self-sacrifice. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want, God. And that's why he goes into the story. Now, I did a little research. There are five, I'm sorry, eight eyes in this text. I will b build bigger barns, barns. I will store. I, there are four mys in here. So what does that tell us? The focus is on what he wants. And if I'm not in alignment with Jesus and his teaching, I can so easily get off alignment. What should he have said? He should have said, God, thank you 
Thank you for giving me the ability to have all these things. And I want to, first of all, God, take care of you and your kingdom. I want to honor you first. God, secondly, I want to honor my family and take care of the needs of my family. God, I want to save because it's biblical that we save. And then, God, I want to give generously to those who are in need around me. Think if we had that kind of mindset as Christ followers. It's not about how much we have and how much we get and how much possession we can hold on to. It's more about God taking care of things biblically so that, God, we can take care of the world around us. Think, imagine with me for a moment, if we really lived out the life of Christ, if we really did what Jesus was calling us to do in this context. Internal change. It's not, well, gosh, now that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I can't have any fun anymore, I can't have nice things, can't have the riches. That's not right. That's not what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is saying it's not wrong to have those things, again, as long as those things don't have us. I'm thinking about earlier, probably at a year and a half, in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus comes across another great crowd of people. In fact, this guy was a tax collector. Do you remember this guy? His name is Zacchaeus. He's famous throughout the New Testament. In fact, in this particular scenario, he can't see Jesus. He's short of stature. There are hundreds of people probably around Jesus I can identify with this being very short. So he thinks up this wild idea. I'll climb this tree because I really want to see if he's the Messiah, if he's the one that God sent. I really want to know. And so he climbs up this tree, not only to see him, but to hear him. What I love about this is that Jesus sees a tax collector. No one liked the tax collector back in that day. Nobody wanted anything to do with the IRS back in the day, right? But here Jesus sees him and he says, Zacchaeus come down. I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. That is a huge, huge statement. Because what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I identify with you. Isn't that what Jesus did for every single one of us? Didn't Jesus say, I identify with your life. I came down here on earth so that you can know God. You could know who I am. You could know my great plan I have for your life. And what happened in that dinner, it really doesn't say the specifics. Jesus is walking with Zacchaeus now as he's done with his teaching. The crowds are starting to dissipate and he walks now with Zacchaeus to his home. Something happened in that gathering that night. Just like some of you here today. I was invited on a Wednesday night to go to San Juan Capistrano. Huge concert for high school kids. I had no idea I was gonna meet Jesus that night. I had no idea what was gonna happen in my heart. All I knew is that when you get a bunch of Christians together who love God, who are really wanting to do his will, God shows up. And God showed up right here in Zacchaeus' life. And what I love about this text is it says, at the very end of that meeting, that dinner that he had with Jesus, he said, man, I've ripped people off in the name of our state, through taxes, through, through, through all the monies that, that, I, that I'd ripped people off. In fact, so much so, I'm gonna pay back one quarter, if four times the amount, four times the amount I owe, I'm going to pay people back. Half of my possessions, he said, I am now going to give away. Why? What happened in that moment in his life? The only thing that we can find out is because he was hanging around with Jesus, man. Because he was hanging with Jesus, and I believe he received him as the Messiah. He believed that Jesus was the one that was sent for heaven, from heaven for him. 
And so he changed his life. And because he was changed internally, things changed externally for others around him. Is Jesus saying we got to sell it all and live, to, live in the hills and live homeless? No, that's not what he's saying. He said, I want you to have a proper perspective of what I've given you. Because I don't want the things of the world to crowd out your faith in me. In fact, the Bible says this. He doesn't forbid having nice things or lots of money. In the Old Testament, Job was rich. He was very wealthy. Abraham had uh, possessions and he had much land. Isaac also was very, very wealthy. Jacob, Boaz, Solomon, the richest man on the face of the earth and the wisest man on the face of the earth. earth. Joseph of Arimathea was a very rich man. So what do we do with what we have? Do we tear down and all the barns that we have and go and figure out where we're going to store all of our stuff. I did a little research. There's 14 storage facilities here in the Lake Forest at Mission Viejo and Laguna Hills area. 14 of them. Where are we going to store all of our stuff? After we get them all out, get our stuff out from the garage, we go to storage facilities, right? I did a little more research. Elon Musk is the richest man on the face of the earth. He's the CEO of Tesla. You might, of course, know his name. He's worth $245 billion. That's a lot of money, right? Number two is Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. Incredible organization, incredible company. $165 billion he's worth. Bernard Annault, Christian Dior. $145 billion. Of course, number four, we're familiar with Bill Gates, owner of Microsoft. $118 billion. Larry Page, who owns Google. $106 billion. Not judging them, not making any judgments, just saying if you're watching online, we would love to be the recipients of your generosity at Mission Christian Church. Saying this, that with all of that, think of all the good things that someone could do If God had blessed them with the ability to have all those things and make all that money. The Bible forbids loving money and loving possessions. I want to be really, really clear about that. That it's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to have lots of money. It's what we do with that. But it's the love of it. It's the striving for it. It's the passion to follow it and gain more and more and more and more. Unfortunately, the love of possessions leads to these unfortunate things. The love of money and possessions, again, the love of money, leads to problems. It can lead people to forget God. It can lead people to trust in riches rather than God. It can lead people to be deceived. And it can lead people to pride, prideful, arrogant attitudes. It can, unfortunately, lead people to ignore the needs of others. Those are detrimental things. That's not the life that God had for us. He wants so much more. And that's why he says, I don't want you to be living for those things. I want you to live for me. So how do we guard our heart against that? One of the things I've tried to adopt just in my own life, and you know here at MVCC as family, we just want to be very real, loving, and on mission, just like Jesus was. So I'm, of course, our pastoral staff, we're just normal people like all of us living in a normal world, and we still struggle and face the temptations that everyone else does. But one of the things that we've tried to live by here on our team is do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going, Right? Rather than hoarding it all and storing it all and trying to gather as much as we can and then maybe someday I'll do something good with it. 
God is saying, I have so much more for you. I want so much more for you. I don't want so much from you, Jesus says. I want something for you. And if you just surrender your heart to me and everything that I've given you, I can replenish that. So, so what does God want? He wants us to guard our heart. Guard our heart. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes my heart will lead me down a path that is not where God wants me to be. You, we may have heard the term, you know, follow your heart. Let your heart lead you. Let your heart guide you. Unfortunately, my heart can lend me down into places that have God has no business for me being in. What I want to do is I want to follow his word. I want to follow what he's told me to do. I want us at MVCC to be truly followers of Christ. That those of us who would say, yes, I've received Christ as my savior, we are really following him. Imagine with me for a moment, if just one at a time, each of us, if, if just one, one of us here today did what Christ called us to do, not because, well, I have to, or it should, or it's the right thing to do. God, I really want to please you from the heart. God, I want to give back to my community. I want to live my life, God, the way that you want me to live. God, I want to honor the things that you have given me, God, for your kingdom and the things that really matter. God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool if they store up earthly wealth, but do not have a rich relationship with God. It's hard truth, but God wants us to choose. He's not saying you're going to die because you have all these nice things. He's not saying you're going to die tonight because you've made bad choices. He's saying unfortunately, life is going to be taken from you on this earth. And what do you have to show for it? After all of this, you've stored up all your things. You've torn, torn down your barns. You've built bigger ones. And now you don't have as much room for the harvest that I want to bring in your life. I think that's what Jesus is really saying to us. There's a harvest that God wants to bring about in your life. And if it's crowded out by all the love of money and things and possessions and what I can grab onto and life is all about me, we will miss the harvest that God wants to bring about in our life. And the harvest is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God wants. It's not about all the things. Tell you, but I love having nice things. We live in South County. I love having nice things things. But if God takes those nice things away, that's okay. It's all right. If I drive a broken down, beaten up Toyota Corolla, and if you have a Toyota Corolla, no offense here, I'm just saying if I have an older one, a 1995 Toyota Corolla, that's fine with me. If I have a really nice Mercedes and get to enjoy that for a while, that'd be great. But I'm not going to bank my life on that stuff. Because all it does is it drives me to a place, unfortunately, where I might miss God. So what are some things we can do, some action points? I want to give you some practicality. What, is, what does all this mean? Number one is this. If we've been living out of balance, if we unfortunately maybe find ourselves like this guy that we read about in Luke chapter 12, first thing I want you to do is I want you to just be, let's just be open and honest and real with God. I want to admit it. I want to admit it. There's nothing wrong with that. Admit it, confess it, and repent of any sin Anything that's distracting us or getting in the way of God's Holy Spirit just flowing through us. And if there's any of us here today that just may be out of alignment with this, 
There's nothing wrong just between you and God saying, God, this is what I've been doing. Please forgive me, God. And the wonderful thing about him in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiven. It's gone. It's done. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Amen? Number two is to obey God's guidance in managing our resources. At NVCC, we have a wonderful resource here called... um, uh, um, it's a study guide online that actually goes through how do we manage money God's way. It doesn't mean that God's going to take it all from us. He wants us to manage it his way so we can have the best possible life, the most fulfilling life. And we have resources to help you with that. Be a wise manager and eliminate debt. How many here would love to be completely debt-free? It is possible in South Orange County to be debt-free. It really is. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment. But God gives us a blueprint in the Word on how to do that. And we have resources to help you here at MVCC. I think number four is huge. And you can pick up any one of these. I'm not saying you have to do all nine of these. If there's just one that's speaking to your heart, I'm learning in my prayer journal to write down things that I'm thankful for. And just, God, I'm so thankful that I have what I have. Thank you, God, that you've placed me in this season of life to do what I can do, God, to further your kingdom and influence those around me. So giving thanks. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's me. We just put God first. He's first in everything. That's all. All my stuff, it's God's stuff. And it's at his disposal to do whatever he wants with. I just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Number six is to practice generosity. Just practice Because it's not natural for us to be generous, is it? It's natural for us to keep it all. And Jesus says, look, I want to teach you how to have the most fulfilling life, and that is simply to be generous. Give tithes, offerings, and listen for God's prompting. Listening for him. And number eight, sharing our faith. And which goes along with the last one, sharing our story. Hey, what is it about your life? How come your marriage, you guys just seem really content What's, there seems to be peace there. How long, how long have you guys been married? Wow, 27 years. Tell me about that. I mean, people ask all kinds of questions. They are wondering, how can I have the most fulfilled life here on earth? And we know it's through Jesus Christ. And simply you telling your story can be a bridge for somebody to know God. Seems funny that in the middle of this teaching that I know is not easy, I know this is just poking us a little bit, making us feel a little uncomfortable. And if I, as your, you know, your pastor, if I'm not helping the Holy Spirit to be uncomfortable in your life, I'm just then just kind of being a friend. And I just, I want to be that agent of change. I want to help you to change. So with that, um, closing in this, I, I was invited a couple of weeks ago. I have family here. They had a gathering. It was open, open with prayer. And it was a gathering and a fo- some folks that opened up their home on the lake of Mission Viejo. You know, every time I drive by on Alicia, you know, I see those really nice homes on the lake. I would like to live there. Right? Just confessing here. That would be really nice. And God, we could use it for all of your kingdom, for all your glory, right? It's all for you, God. Well, I had never really been inside one of those homes. And so, like I said, we got invited to be there. There was a prayer gathering there. And so when I walked into this home, oh my gosh, there were fountains on each side when this walkway, this beautiful, lush, green palm trees. There was a 
pool and jacuzzi off to the side, and then you walked into this home, and they had those, you know, the big glass accordion doors, so they opened up all three of the walls, and you just walk out, and now you're on the deck on Lake Mission Viejo. There's this huge kitchen, like 15 different islands, food everywhere, three stories high, and I'm like, I'm walking around going, this is so cool, this is so awesome. I thought to myself, if how awesome this is, and through their generosity, these folks invited people into their home for prayer and a gathering in his name, what is it going to be like in heaven? God says it right in John chapter 14, right, sister? John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, a place that has many mansions. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I promise I will come back and take you to be, you know the way to the place where I am going. God is building a wonderful mansion for you. That's what matters. That's where the best is. It's in eternity. It's not in this world. So God, I pray God for us here in our little corner of Mission Viejo in this little pocket, little area, God, where I know God that you can influence us to influence others. And God, I pray that as your word is so crystal clear, we, we, we don't want to be in that same spot as, as this guy was caught in the trap of more and more and more and that being the focus of his life. God, we want to be people that are, God, worthy of managing well. And we want to be generous with what you've given us, God. So that I believe, Lord, as your word is so true, there's a greater harvest that we can experience, Lord. And I just pray for anyone here today, Lord, that maybe just feels far away from you, maybe just on the outskirts of of your love or just being in relationship with you, God. I pray, Lord, all my heart that we just come to know you in such a personal way that it'll be that internal change that says, yes, yes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The very end here, each Sunday, we just provide this very quiet moment where we call communion time and in the seat back in front of you there's you'll notice some juice and a cracker there and there's just what jesus said before he went to the cross sat with his 12 friends his disciples and he said i want you guys to take this drink this and eat this because i want you to remember me and so we want to offer that to you today if you're a christ follower just taking a moment to remember him and honor him and thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to change to be more like you? God, we just thank you for this quiet moment when, God, you know there's so many voices around us all the time. And God, I thank you that in this stillness of this moment, as you're speaking, God, we want to be listening. As you've said, do this in remembrance of me. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.